0: Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey there, thanks for listening to Leading Simple, where we are helping the overwhelmed. My name is Rusty George, and I am so excited to be with you, particularly if you are a subscriber to Charisma, or if you are on their podcast uh, subscription list and you get so many different great, great podcasts. It's an honor for you to be checking us out, and I'm really, really honored for you to be here. I would love to hear from you, and you can submit questions to me by a direct message messaging me on Instagram at rusty l george and I told you I'll tell you sometime what the L stands for. Hey, we have a sponsor of our show that we just love and it's a great organization called Growmentum and Growmentum is a group of church leaders who led great churches and then decided to pull their knowledge, wisdom and resources together to help organizations and churches grow to the next level. This is an incredible gift to churches. And if you're a leader on this, maybe you're an elder or a deacon in your church, I would encourage you to gift this to your church staff. If you're a church staff leader, I would encourage you to plan to put some resources together to Hire momentum, because they help you not just work in the church, but work on it. And they help you take great strides in building momentum as you grow. We're all trying to figure out how to do that post-COVID, these guys can help. So you can check them out, Grow Mentum, and you can find out more on them and all the links for them on the show notes of Leading Simple. Well, today we have a great conversation, oh man, this is going to be so good, with a friend of mine named John Burke. John is the founder and lead pastor of Gateway Church, which is a multi-site church based in Austin, Texas. He's grown that church uh, from zero to 4,500 people. Since its start in 1998. He's also the president of Gateway Leadership Initiative, a nonprofit organization helping to help church planners and pastors and ordinary Christians raise the church out of the culture. John has authored several books, including No Perfect People Allowed, which I love, Soul Revolution, and the New York Times best selling book, Imagine Heaven. That's what we're going to talk about today, The Afterlife. And John is Incredible! You're going to love this, and you're going to have a lot of questions about what he has to say. So make sure that you DM me at Rusty L. George. And then what we're going to do is we're going to bring John back in a few weeks, and he's going to answer your questions. So make sure that you ask me. Here we go. John Burke hey well i 'm going to welcome John Burke back to the podcast, John. You were on years ago when you came out and spoke at real life and so glad to have you back um, you 're one of my favorite writers, favorite pastors, and favorite people to talk to because of how well thought out you are. but uh, I, I want to just let everybody get um, acquainted with you if they don 't know you you 've been a pastor and a missionary for a period of time in russia you 've been a pastor for many years here in the States. And you wrote a book back in October of twenty fifteen. Well it came out then. It probably took you years to write it, called Imagine Heaven. And this thing just blew up. And you know, you've you've gone around, you, you've taught on this. I'm still a little bit frustrated with you because you continue to be the most downloaded message on our website, even though you preached here like four years ago. And uh, I don't take offense to that much, but the book was incredible. So would you just give us a brief snapshot of how you got to that book and then kind of where it is today?
1: Yeah, thanks, Rusty. Well, um, with much fear and intrepidation and wondering if my ministry was over, (laughs) <laughs> that's how I got to it. So, no, really, um, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Uh, it's a very controversial topic, or it could be. Um, Christians hadn't really tackled it, but it happens to be the way the Lord led me to him. So it was over 35 years ago that um, my dad was dying of cancer. Um, I was not a believer, was agnostic. And someone gave him the very first research on what what that book called near death experiences. That's, it was coined way back then. But the idea was people are, they have cardiac arrest. They, they die in the emergency room. They're resuscitated minutes, some cases hours even later. And they come back to life, you know, from, from a uh, clinical death talking about the incredible life to come. And I saw the book on, on his bedside table and picked it up and started reading, and I didn't stop. I read the whole thing that night, and at the end, I was, oh my gosh, like this God-Jesus stuff may be real. And, and Jesus was in there a lot, even though this doctor who was reporting these, um, I, I, it didn't seem like he was a Christian. So that opened me up. And it was the next year that I actually came to faith in Christ, started to understand the gospel and grace. And, and then, you know, since then, I went from a career in engineering into ministry as a missionary, then went to seminary, you know, planted a church. But the whole time, so last the last 30 years, I've been curious, like, what are those experiences? And how do they fit with what God's revealed in the Bible? Because I believe the Bible is God's word. Um, I think that's validated for many other reasons. And, and, um, so that was my curiosity. And over the last 30 years, I've studied over a thousand of these near-death experiences while also, you know, in, intensely studying the Bible. And so I've I've been actually doing uh, evangelistic talks on this. Uh, my first was in 1989 at the University of California, Santa Barbara, when I talked about how these near-death experiences in the Bible actually fit together perfectly. And um, but I was hesitant to write on it because one, I still had some questions, and. And actually, it wasn't until the Lord led me to more Christians coming forward, talking about their experiences that helped me find some interpretive keys. And then, and then I felt like the Lord was saying to me, it's time, right? But honestly, after I did, I did. It, I mean, I remember when it was coming out, I said, well, Lord, I'm, I'm doing this, but it may be the end of my ministry. You know, this may be it, but you told me to do it and and i'll say this rusty and that's why i think it's been you know that's why people uh, listen to that message or 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 have you know so many have have read the book is not because i'm a great writer it's just that god is so amazing and these people show you what the bible has said all along but through through eyes that somehow brings it to life it's kind of like it's kind of like reading the Bible gives you this beautiful picture, but it's a black and white picture, and these people's stories help put color onto the picture. Mm. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. And I think that's what happens for people is you know, non-Christians, just like myself, they go, oh my gosh, this may be real, because there's scientific medical evidence for it, for God, the existence of God, the existence of the afterlife, and what the Bible says. But Christians, too— I think have a bad uh, imagination when it comes to heaven, <laughs> you know. And yet, Colossians three tells us that we are to set our minds on things above, not not things of the earth, because our life is actually hidden there. Like that's actually our life. That's what we're looking forward to. And I think that's what these people show. And so, I think it also motivates Christians to to live, you know, like the Hebrews eleven men and women of faith who were looking for a heavenly country, not not an earthly one, and that's how they could live by faith.
0: Don't you think right now, especially, you know, coming out of COVID and the craziness we lived through in 2020 and even some that's existed in 2021, it's now more than ever, we need to long for the things of a heavenly land rather than right here, because it seems like everybody just wants to get back to normal or restore comfort and convenience, when really there's so much bigger than what we have right here. It seems like this is a perfect time to talk about heaven.
1: Well, and, and what's after life, because I mean, COVID is, it's fear, right? Right. And it's the fear of death. Um, and, and so it is, it's, it is a perfect time. And I think, I think it also, you know, I mean, we know it's, I get I get really sketchy when people start to say, well, this is happening because of that, right? Yeah. Because we don't know. But we do know, and Jesus did tell us that all these things that happen are for a reason ultimately. And the ultimate reason is to point us that point us to what lasts and remind us this life doesn't last. Mm -hmm. So I honestly think COVID is is, you know, I mean, we can't think a global Pandemic is going without God's
0: notice, right? <laughs> Maybe and He's consumed I, with Mars right now, like everybody else is.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I think it's a very merciful, gentle wake-up call yeah. to planet Earth. Like, hey, your plans—you know—you can plan, but truth is, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? And um, and and ultimately, yeah, you need to live for what's going to last
0: because this doesn't. You know you mentioned something a little bit ago about your fear and intrepidation and for our listeners that that maybe this is new to them historically in the church world uh, you never mixed the bible and science near death experiences these crazy visions people have had elsewhere, because you just felt like it was anti-Scripture. What I love about what, you know, Christian scientists are revealing to us is science just tells us how God did it. Um, And then we see these kind of things and yet adds color to this black and white. Like you said, you deal a lot with, um, with apologetics and helping people with their faith. How has, you know, kind of blending those two and, you know, seeing how they don't really fight against each other, how has that helped in these kind of conversations with people?
1: Well, yeah, because, um, well, let me, let me say first of all, because I think you, you just brought up a very, very important point. Um, in the 80s, when these stories were, were coming out, um, one of the reasons it was confusing to me is because Christians were pushing them away. Mm-hmm. And as a result, Christians who had near-death experiences did not talk about them, did not come forward. And if they did, oftentimes they, they were told it's satanic, it's evil, don't talk about that. And, th- and the reason is just because um, pastors, Christians I think hadn't taken the time to really listen and study and see how much, yes, there's some mystery to it, but it actually does fit. Now the problem with these experiences, and this is what I had to realize is that you're truly having an out of this world experience. So the way I like to liken it is that it's, it's like if we're living our life on a flat two dimensional black and white painting on a wall, And death means separation. So when we die, we're separated from our body, right? Our spirit is separated from our body. So imagine death means you're peeled off that flat black and white plane, and you're brought out into this room of three dimensions and color that the painting is contained within. And you experience something beyond your prior two-dimensional flat experience, and then you're put back into that flat black and white painting, and you have to describe three dimensions of color in two-dimensional space and black and white terms. Mm. How could you do it? Right. And, and after interviewing and studying over a thousand of these people, that is exactly the problem. They, they, they are describing things, not unlike the beauty of earth or the relationship of earth, or, you know, not just our five senses. They talk about 50 senses. Well, how do you explain that? Right. Right. But, That also leads to an interpretive problem because people are naturally then going to interpret their experience in light of their own worldview using their own terms. Right. And that's what I had to see is that people were reporting something and then they would interpret it as well. The interpretations don't always align with scripture. Let me give you a. I, I mean, I, I almost hesitate to, because I want to say, don't go watch this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's a Netflix uh, series that just came out called Surviving Death, and it's, and it starts with NDEs. Yeah. Now, it made me so mad, because quite honestly, uh, they, they took some of my friends who are Christians, who uh, their story— is all about Jesus. And they took that story and gutted Jesus from it and used it to promote mediums and reincarnation. Mm. And God is not in any of the six episodes. But that is is not true to the reported near-death experiences around the world where God, one God, and it's the same God all around the globe, this God of brilliant light, brighter than the sun, who is love, love unconditional personal, knows them intensely like no one else has known them. They never want to leave his presence. That God is in like 40% of accounts mm. all around the globe. And yet they just gut it. And I say that to say, that's what was happening in the eighties is that Christians pushed these away. Others took them and said, Hey, come over here. Cause we will accept all this mystery. But it's all this mystery a, a, apart from God. And so the interpretation and even the pool that researchers started to go to had a, had a, a similar interpretation. Hmm. And so it wasn't until Christians started coming forward. Um, and that's what really helped me find some interpretive keys to be able to write about, uh, to, to be able to show how does this make sense with you know, what we know in the Bible.
0: Give us one of those examples, something where you read about it in Scripture, and now an interview with somebody gave you a little bit of color for it to help you understand it.
1: Oh, gosh, there's so many. I mean, do you know, Rusty, I, I, I chronicled over 40 um, specific descriptors reported in, in multiple near-death experiences, and um, 38 out of the 40 line up with the biblical worldview of it, studying other world's religions, which I have and the scriptures and what those anticipate an afterlife to be at most, they're like five, four to six of those descriptors in the world's religions, but they're 38 out of the 40 and I could make a case for the other two as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so for instance, I mean, because, well, I'll give you, I'll give you one that I think is really cool. Um so these near death experiencers talk about consistently they see nature not unlike earth mountains and fields and valleys and rivers and you know and we read about that in revelation right but with colors that are beyond our color spectrum hmm. like a thousand shades of red and you can tell each one apart and then colors beyond colors we've seen and just Incredibly vibrant. And, and they, they use words to say, like, when I came back to this life, it's like this life is the shadow of that which is the real thing. Hmm. Which interestingly, Hebrews 8, God tells Moses to make the tabernacle after the pattern of what he showed him in heaven, and said, The tabernacle is the shadow of the real thing in heaven. Wow. So so maybe extends beyond that. But what I was going to say is. Light in on planet Earth is the breakdown of the color spectrum of the sun, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the light that people talk about in heaven, which, by the way, even blind people describe it the same way, and they describe the light as coming out of everything. It's not shining on everything, coming out of everything. Why would blind people ever say that? They would never have heard Light shines out of everything. It shines on everything. Yet they say that as well. It comes out of everything in heaven. And the light is not just light like we see. It's love. And the light is life. And that's coming out of everything. (laughs) Now, you would never connect that probably. uh, But if you've studied the Bible intensely, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 60 says that. There's no need of sun or moon because the glory of God is its light. God is the light of heaven. Mm. In Revelation 21, it says, um, you know, there's no sun or moon for the Lord is its light and Jesus, the lamb, is its lamp and the nations will walk in that light. Mm. And so, if if the light that they're experiencing is the light of God, the glory of God, Mm then the color spectrum is going to be far beyond our sun right? of the breakdown of the light of God. So that was one of those little like, wow, but there are tons of them like that, <laughs> that I tried to show in Imagine Heaven, as you see what the scripture says.
0: You obviously share a lot of these in the book, Imagine Heaven, and I would just encourage all of our listeners to read it if you haven't. But help, help me just walk through, um, I'm a linear thinker. I like timelines. Okay, and we we love to, as you said, sometimes our... That's going to be a problem for you in heaven, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know it is. <laughs> uh, the creative types are going to be so much better than me. No, no, it's going to be great. <laughs> but the, um, you know, for many of us, we like to think in, okay, so I die, and then what? I go to purgatory. I go to paradise. I go to heaven. There's God on a throne. There's St. Peter at a pearly gate. I got to answer a set of questions to get in. You know, these these things that we've seen in television and yeah, yeah. bad preaching and movies and those kind of things. Right. The things that make us fear heaven. The things that make us fear heaven. I don't want to fly <laughs> around, you know, with wings and a harp all day. It sounds boring. I want to party with my friends. Right. Uh, what did Billy Joel say? I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. So, With that in mind, from what you've discovered, can you give us any kind of timeline or I die, then what? Hey, we'll be back to the podcast in just a second. But I wanted to let you know that I get a chance to go out and speak on this book that I've written called After Amen once in a while. And we've got a few churches coming up. I'd love to see you. If you're a listener to the show and you happen to make it to one of these churches, I'd love to say hi. I'm going to be at Joplin, Missouri, Indianapolis, Indiana, Kansas City, Missouri. You can direct message me on Instagram at Rusty L. George and find out the exact church and date and directions to get there. would love to see you then now back to the show timeline or I die then what?
1: yeah so I'll give you a, a compilation in, but it's not exactly identical for any one person and I think the the beauty of that even is that God God is the one welcoming each person and and God creates a, an experience that that speaks to that person. But there are commonalities, and that's what I was writing about in in Imagine Heaven. So some of the commonalities are you die, and initially you don't know you're dead because um, you feel more alive and you feel more yourself than you ever have, and time doesn't work the same way. So near-death experiences will say, I I don't know if if it was a minute or if it was days. And, you know, it's exactly what Peter said in, what is it, 2 Peter 3.8, to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Um, and I even talk about that, you know, even two-dimensional time would give us that, that sense. Mm. We only experience one-dimensional time. So they leave their bodies, but many times they're in the room up above, usually up, up by the ceiling, and they're watching what's going on in the room initially. Now, that sounds spooky, but it's actually very Im- important. Um, one, first of all, Paul tells us that um, that we will have a spiritual body, that our, our, our bodies are, are sown a natural body, but they're, they're raised a spiritual body. You know, they're sown in weakness, but they're raised in power. Mm. And that's what people say as well, is that they didn't just f- have five senses. It was like, some people said, I felt like Superman, you know, like I had 50 senses. All these new ways of experiencing things, um, telescopic vision. Okay, which again, now now think about it. If you just heard this, you'd kind of go like, ooh, you know, like aliens and telescopic vision and telepathic communication, and you'd think, well, that's not that's not biblical, and you push it away. It actually is. So think about this. Revelation twenty one. John is taken in the spirit to a very high mountain which some of the people I've interviewed have seen the new Jerusalem and that high mountain or those, that mountain range. And it's, it's greater than anything on planet earth. But John from up on the high mountain is reading what is written on the foundation stones of the new Jerusalem. How? Hmm. He says it, but you would never think that you wouldn't think about it, except that all these people are saying, you know, my senses are heightened, which, I could, I could see things, every blade of grass, and it must have been thousands of miles away. So things like that. But they're, they're out of their body, but they have this new spiritual body, like Paul talks about, and they're able to observe their resuscitation, or they're able to observe what's going on in the room. And that's critical. That I, I write about in Skeptical Doctors in the Afterlife, in, in I think it's chapter 2 in Imagine Heaven, about what convinced so many skeptical cardiologists, oncologists, medical doctors who thought death means lights out and that's it. And they changed their mind because of these people's testimonies, Mm. you know, because like Dr. Sabum, who's a cardiologist, I interviewed set out to disprove near death experiences. But when he started asking his patients, he ended up doing a five-year study published it in the journal, of the American medical association, as evidence that there really is a, a life after death and the materialistic view is, is out the window. You know, so, so you, you leave your body, maybe you're in the room. Some people say, no, they were just instantly. Don Piper, a pastor, was instantly at the gates of heaven. Other, but it's not, you can't make the correlation, oh, well, Christians go, no. You know, because Christians too, like many times they're in the room, they see what's going on. They feel great, and then they tend to travel. Now, sometimes they they meet relatives right there, and then they go back to their body. But sometimes then they travel, and and they describe it some as going through a tunnel. Um, They describe it various ways. Some describe it as going like a pathway of light. Um, So it's not all the same. And then they come usually into this beautiful Place and people. um, The best way I can describe it is: is if you visited Planet Earth, you're not all necessarily going to end up in the same place. You're not going to describe the same place. So some might describe New York City, Central Park. Some might describe you know uh, buildings all around and and streets. And so it's 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 a world. It's another world. I mean, God created this world in the container of, of heaven. Mm. And so uh, it's another world, but people describe things not unlike this world, like beauty and, and, and grass, flowers, trees, gardens, mountains, buildings, uh, places of learning um, the new Jerusalem. And then people often meet their loved ones. So they typically have a welcoming committee that that is there to greet them and these people they 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 recognize them um they still have their histories they're people who have died before them and there's this great reunion their hugs their kisses but not like on earth everything is magnified and and deeper and 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 all integrated into the love and life of god that that is just coming out of everything and, and so there's, a, there's this great reunion kind of thing that happens. And then many times then people will see Jesus. Or, and if, if, if they know Jesus, they know he's Jesus. Some see this God of light uh, who is, they say, more brilliant than the sun, but is love. Um, and in his presence, many times he gives them a life review. And, and what will happen is they will literally relive their lives in a 3D panoramic like they're watching themselves in 3D kind of imagine holograms, but of life actually happening before you. But here's the wild thing. Not just you're seeing yourself interact with people, but you're feeling what everybody felt and thought as well. And so every little kind deed and act, the Lord is showing you the way it felt to others and the way it actually rippled through humanity and every little hurtful deed or act. And, and Jesus is there with them. And they many, many times they say interesting things, which again, these things can get misinterpreted. I'll give you one example. So people would say things like, this God is, is not, not the God of the Bible because he wasn't condemning me. He was loving me. This God was just loving me and showing me my life and trying to show me that love is what matters most, and that when I'm, when I'm not loving or I'm unkind, you know that that that's not His will. Um, but I was judging myself. I was harder on myself. God was just loving me and supporting me. Now, some researchers said, "Well, see, that shows that's not the God of the Bible," but it's absolutely the God of the Bible. I mean Jesus Jesus himself said, um, God so loved the world, that He gave his only begotten Son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life, because God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm. But Jesus also said, um, you by your own words will you be judged, by your own words will you be acquitted. He also said, Everything is laid bare before the eyes of God. We will stand before him and give account of every motive, every thought. There is nothing he doesn't see. And so this life review is not judgment. It's the preview. It's it's a learning opportunity, but it's also just a reminder of ev- of the truth of everything that God has said and that God is love and that in his presence, watching your life. You know, in this world, we can rationalize and justify and cover over and hide our sin. But in his light and in his presence, it just is what it is. And you won't deny it. Hmm. You'll be your own judge. Now, the truth is, you know, what Jesus did and what, what Christians experience is not judgment, but love because he's already paid for all of that. Jesus paid for all of our sins. And so he doesn't, that's not what he's, focused on in, even in the life review he, he's focused on showing us w- how love really matters and how he's accomplishing his his work through humanity when we actually do what he said is most important, love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and that sums up the whole Bible.
0: Wow, okay
1: okay one last thing okay and then he he usually says to them, it's not your time. You got to go back. Okay. I still have a purpose for you. And what I love, Rusty, this is the coolest thing. Most people argue with him. <laughs> 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 and, and it's such a beautiful thing because even in listening to their stories, they, they're, they're, they're completely themselves and they feel so at home in God's presence That they can can be themselves and go, no, I'm not going back there. This is what I've lived for. And that's what people realize, you know, that being with the Lord is what we've lived for. That's what we've longed for. Mm. But he eventually convinces them, not against their will. Um, And in some cases, he gives them a choice, which which was a little bit of a surprise to me, honestly.
0: Okay, so I think the, the question that everybody has is, who gets to go there? Is it a, does everybody have this experience? What, did Hitler have that experience? Osama bin Laden? Yeah. Is everybody getting in? How, how does this work? Well, um,
1: first of all, I like to say, do not get your theology of the afterlife from near-death experiences. Okay, thank you. That, is a, that would be a huge miss on many fronts, and I'll tell you why. First, these people didn't die. Now, one of the interpretive one of the interpretive keys for me that it kept me, this question kept me from writing it. Because sometimes it could sound um, you know, like the, the things that people would say interpretively didn't make sense to what I knew of scripture, right? But one of the interpretive keys is that many, many of them, 30 plus percent of these near-death experiences come to a border or a boundary and they intuitively, and there are things that you intuitively know, they intuitively knew Hmm. I cannot cross that border or boundary and still go back to earth. Now it's not a place because it's a different, it's a different border or boundary for each person. So it's, it's not a place and I don't understand what delineates that except the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and, but they know they can't cross over. And if they do, then there is no going back. So I don't know what these are, except that, you know, the way we've defined death, clinical death is your heart stops beating, your brainwave cease. And many of these people had zero sign of life, according to brainwave heartbeat, none. So they shouldn't have any memory and definitely not a more vivid memory and not a well-ordered memory of events that are similar to people all around the globe and even children and even blind people, right? Right. And, but but they still have not died in the sense of full biological death because they did come back mm-hmm. and there was a border boundary they knew they couldn't cross. Now, I think that is the entrance into eternity and that when we cross that, then our decisions are eternalized because these people... Hmm. In these near death experiences, still can cry out to Jesus and be saved. So, not every near death experience is a good one. And um, when I originally wrote the book, you know, a full 23%, according to one study of about 3,000 near death experiences, 23% of near death experiences were actually hellish. Hmm. Now, those are people who came forward and admitted it. Interestingly, there was a study done by the European um, Academy of neuroscience. Uh, recently they studied 30 people from 35 nations actually found that one out of 10 people have had a near death experience, (laughs) but kind of, kind of disconcertingly half were not good experiences.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it doesn't mean it's all good. Mm -hmm. Now the, the, the other side of that is like I said, that in these, I, I have in the book, you know, I have a whole chapter on hellish experiences. But three of them, actually, I don't, I think, I think two of them in there. There's a there's a third, are pastor friends of mine who actually had hellish experiences, cried out to God in it. He showed up, he responded to their cry and saved them. And they came back, and all three of them became pastors. <laughs> Wow. You know, so it was like a Damascus road, yeah, kind of experience like 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 Paul had. Wow. So now I think the more confusing part sometimes is that people who don't know Jesus seem to have a good experience and they even encountered this god of of light and love. Um and they come back, but they don't seem to seek out this God of Light or love. Hmm. They 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 go to other things, spirit spiritualism, or more occultic type practices, or trying to you know contact the dead, um, you know things like that. Yeah. And what do you make of that? And and here are a couple of things I'd say. One, just because somebody encounters God on the other side, that doesn't mean uh, that that's not um, indicative of their eternal destination. Now, how do we know that? Well, because Revelation one seven says, "Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him." Mm. So we know everybody is going to see the Lord at some point. Second case in point: Paul was a Christ. He he was he was a Christ hater, and he was having Christians arrested and even killed when this brilliant God of light appears to him, right? Mm. This is Paul's conversion. Mm -hmm. Acts, what, nine? And he says, who are you, Lord? He knows this is God. Who are you, Lord? And then Jesus tells him, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Now, note again, Jesus does not say to him, here's the gospel. Here's what you must do. Doesn't do that. He says, go to the city, you'll learn what you must do. And then Jesus sends Ananias to Paul. So there are questions sometimes come up like, well, why doesn't God tell him what to do? Mm -hmm. Believe in Jesus or I'm Jesus. And and the faulty thinking in that is as if God couldn't do that now if he wanted to. Right. That's That's not his plan. His plan is to use us. And like Jesus said, if somebody is not seeking God, if they don't want to find God, you know, if if then you know, even if someone comes back from the dead, they won't believe, mm-hmm. right? So to the law and the prophets, mm-hmm. God God has revealed everything we need, and so it's really a heart issue. And and just like people who saw Jesus do the miraculous. Some of them called him Messiah. Some of them called him Satan, right? So in the same way, people can have these near-death experiences and have a great experience and experience God, even Jesus, and they can still come back and choose against him, which is hard to believe, Um, but some
0: do. Wow, that's that's a lot, John. Thank you for that for sharing all that. And I know a lot of it's in the book, but it's a refresher for a lot of us, and and motivating and encouraging. Uh, I'd love to know this how How did doing all this work on Imagine Heaven not just change your understanding of the afterlife and those kind of things? How did it change your understanding about Jesus? How do you see Jesus now? and you didn't before all of this? Well,
1: um, I think a couple of things. One, Jesus is far more mysterious than than we like him to be. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I mean, Uh I think that's, you know, he is. I'll give you some examples that might, it might throw you a little bit. All right? So, When I, after I wrote Imagine Heaven, I was on uh, the news on um, Megyn Kelly. And afterwards, a woman, uh, a nurse from Los Angeles emails me and she says, I saw you, Megyn Kelly. I don't know who you are. I haven't read your book, but that happened to me. She said, I I died when my horse landed on me. I was up above my body um, and Jesus was there with me. And I grew up in a Jewish atheist agnostic home, so I've never told anyone that. Thanks. <laughs> that was it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to reach out to this lady. So Heidi and I started a conversation, and um, it was very awesome because I was able to show her through the Old Testament prophets that Jesus is her Messiah. And anyway, she she ended up getting baptized for faith in Jesus, uh, you know, a year or two later. But the cool thing about her story, that'll, that might throw you a little bit. So when Heidi was growing up, she was in a pretty abusive situation and her dad used to say to her, you know, Jesus Christ is the biggest hope hoax ever perpetrated on humankind. You are nothing more than a speck of dust. Your life is no more meaningful than that dust. And, and, and kind of not a great situation, right? But Heidi from a, a young girl believed in God against her parents. And she used to pray at night on her bed. She would sit there on her bed and and talk to God and felt like he was there listening and felt like he was a friend. At age 16, her horse crushes her. She's up above her body looking down. She's feeling great but horrified that her sisters have to watch her die. And then This light comes over her shoulder, actually casting shadows on everything out around. And she turns and looks, and Jesus is standing there. And she said, he was Jesus. I knew he was Jesus. And he looked like you'd think Jesus would look, except he was also brighter than the sun. And she said, but it wasn't like I said, oh, what's Jesus doing here with a nice Jewish girl like me? You know, this isn't right. <laughs> she said, no, I knew him. I knew him.
0: Huh.
1: And so Jesus shows her in her life review when she's that when she was praying and she felt God's presence in that room, it was him sitting on the bed there beside her. He showed her that in the life review. Now, that may throw some people, but I don't think it should because Jesus is God and God is the God of every human and all who call on his name will be saved. And if she's calling out to the one true God and and Jesus is the one true God, all that makes sense. Now, she still had to come to understand who he was and put her faith in him. But he showed her that. Now, here's the other thing that will throw you about Jesus. So, Jesus um, takes her hand. Now, remember, she's a 16-year-old kid. Takes her hand and gets this big grin on his face, and then they take off. And she said, it was like surfing a wave of light across the universe. Mm. She said it was like we were going the speed of light but I could feel the energy under my feet and we were both barefoot. And <laughs> Jesus is just grinning ear to ear like isn't this the funnest thing you've ever experienced? And she said to this day, it's it's the funnest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know, so there have been things like that that have just like uh, I mean honestly, they've they've they push your theology, but on the other hand They should actually make sense of who God has revealed himself to be Mm. because he's the creator of every good gift. Mm -hmm. He's the father of lights who's given every good gift. And if we know how to give our children good gifts, you know, is he going to give us snakes or stones in place of bread? And if we love to have fun with our kids, wouldn't he love to have fun with his?
0: Mm. That's so good. John, this has been really encouraging. Always love chatting with you. Um, for our people that they they want more uh, from you, uh, where can they find you on social website? Where's the best place to contact you? Um, yeah, probably
1: imagineheaven.net okay. um, is where they they can find out more, and and um, we've got comment stuff there. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to. Um, we actually did a a short version called what's after life mm-hmm. which is which is not necessarily new material what i tried to do is i tried to take you know imagine heaven has tons of biblical references and i and i did that cuz i wanted to show that what these people are saying has been in the bible all along mm-hmm. i t- i took um i took it and simplified it for a non christian Mm -hmm. and put the evidence started with more of the scientific medical evidence. And then I do show how this is, this is revealing the God of the Bible, Mm. Um, not any other God of that you would expect from world's religions. And it's really more of an evangelistic pamphlet. That's great.
0: Yeah. I saw that on there. And there's a devotional for imagine heaven. One of your other books, that's one of my favorites is no perfect people allowed uh, really was a motivator for how we set up our church to work and, I just love it. Love your heart for all people and just love the work that you put into this, John. It's, um, it's just, it's brilliant. So I appreciate you,
1: my friend. It's not, it's not brilliant. (laughs) I didn't think it up. I look at it like, oh my gosh, Lord, is this, is this why you created me? Cause I would not have ever picked it in a million years. You know, (laughs) I'm an engineer, but you know, I like, and I know how, how, uh, you know, out there sometimes it sounds and, But it does show you just, you know, the the last thing. It shows you that God, the God of Jesus is who we desire. Mm. And you know, when it says in scripture, he is our inheritance, you know, it's that he's our greatest reward. And that's consistently what people say. It's like when you're in his presence, nothing else matters. He's the consummation of every everything you've ever longed for. Wow. That's why it's great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was phenomenal. And I think coming out of COVID season, where we have experienced so much death and disappointment, the idea of heaven and eternity with Christ and away from our present, trials is so, so encouraging. And so I know you've got questions. I know I did. I had a bunch I couldn't get to, but we're going to get to them next time when we bring John back for round two. So you can DM me your questions at Rusty L. George on Instagram. Listen, I would love it if you would give us a rating on iTunes. That would be fantastic. And as always, if you'd share this with a friend, it would really help us to get the word out about the podcast, helping people that are overwhelmed. We've all been overwhelmed with life and the thoughts of afterlife, hopefully this would help them out as well. I'd love to hear from you, so make sure you message me. And until then, we'll see you next week. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Let's see.